0: This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And for this episode, I'm recording the Friday before MLK Day, and uh, I I can't remember. I don't think I've talked about this before, but. For me, you know, I share devotions in our uh, staff meetings on most Monday mornings. And, you know, with that, I'm speaking to the same audience about um, not about the same things, but about, you know, when it comes up to Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and those kind of like uh, where there's the expectation that I'm going to do some kind of a message for our devotions about this kind of thing, I find it kind of challenging to be talking about the same, you know, big picture story to the same group of people in a different way. And so talking about, you know, telling the Christmas story a bunch of different ways, it gets to be tough, (laughs) you know, eventually. Telling the Thanksgiving, you know, focusing in on the importance of being grateful and that kind of stuff. Or New Year, um, one of the things that we do at Winning at Home that Doug Swink, and some of you listening probably know Doug, uh, he's pastoring now at a church um, down in Kalamazoo, but he was here at Winning at Home for, I think, 10-ish, maybe longer years. Um, And at the beginning of every year, he would encourage us to pick our word for the year, something that we were going to spend you know, in this case, 2020, uh, focused on growth in that area. And he would encourage us to listen to God to um, get a sense of his leading, not to just pick something out of thin air or the dictionary or whatever. And so, you know, that's a tradition at winning at home. So I have these things, New Year, sharing the word of the year, Christmas, Thanksgiving, those sorts of times where I'm sharing you know, about similar stuff to the same group of people over and over. And it gets to be kind of like, oh, shoot, I got to prepare something for this specific holiday. The one holiday that I don't feel that same, um, I don't know about pressure or fatigue, neither of those is exactly the word I'm looking for, Um, but that I don't feel the same, like, well, how am I going to talk about this in a different way? is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I really look forward to sharing about uh, a different perspective, a different example from uh, Dr. King's life, and looking at some of the ways that he and his example challenge us to um, really grow and evaluate our priorities. Now, before I share <laughs> something more significant i this story is just too good for me to not share. um I have a buddy who grew up at a uh place down in Indiana, and the school that he went to he's about i don't know maybe seven or eight years older than me, so he right now is uh in his early forties, and he went to a school that the student population was pretty close to um, 50-50 divided between black and white students. And uh, he tells the story of, as the school was kind of transitioning and trying to figure out, okay, what does it look like to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. and how do we do that? the school had previously had the day, had MLK day off, no school on that day. And then they were looking at, you know, the calendar and all the logistics or who knows how these kind of decisions are made, but they decided that they were gonna start having school on MLK day. They weren't gonna treat it as a day off from school holiday. And uh, my friend, he told me that, what started happening is uh, many of the black students and their families wanted to continue to celebrate MLK Day, and so they would skip that day of school. And he said the school's response to this was to say, okay, MLK Day is a required day of school. You need an excuse if you're going to be absent that day um, if you're white but if you're black, then you get that day off of school automatically, no excuse needed for you to not come. (laughs) And I just, whenever I think of that, I just can't help but laugh, and I hope you're laughing too, because there's just no way to miss (laughs) the point of something, I don't think, Uh, more than that, to try to celebrate MLK and who he was and what he represented. And to do that by saying, um, let's <laughs> let's take this day and intentionally um, resegregate. Now I know that's not segregate isn't actually what's happening there, but um, it's kind of headed, <laughs> you know, toward that idea a little bit. So anyway, there's just a little bit of. Uh, at least to me, comedy, to kind of start off what we're going to be talking about here. And uh, I want to share something that um, MLK read or talked about as he uh, accepted his Nobel Peace Prize. He took that moment, um, you know, he traveled and spoke all over especially in the United States and in other places too. But he was always traveling and speaking and preaching and teaching and challenging. And he used his time of accepting the Nobel Peace Prize to do the exact same thing. Um, He didn't get up there. And I've got to be honest, I don't know what a typical... Nobel Peace Prize acceptance speech is. I'm assuming that most of the time the people who receive that prize are not people who are going to get up there and um, talk about themselves and how great they are. But, you know, some of them might. I don't know. I, this is literally the only uh, Nobel Prize acceptance speech that I've ever uh, read or listened to. But I read through in preparation. Like I say, I'm recording this the Friday before uh, MLK Day, and so I'm going to be sharing this on Monday in our staff devotions and talk about some of the things that Dr. King took this moment of his Nobel Peace Prize acceptance speech to highlight. And so he's talking at the kind of beginning of where I'm going to start reading, he's talking about the amazing technological advances that have been made in recent history. Now, this speech was um, from, I can't even remember, 1963, I think it was, something in there. And so, you know, if he was giving this speech now, or if somebody was talking about technology now, they'd be focusing on entirely different things than um, the things he's talking about, obviously. But he says this, he says, yet in spite of these spectacular strides in science and technology, and still unlimited ones to come, something basic is missing. There is a sort of poverty of the spirit which stands in glaring contrast to our scientific and technological abundance. The richer we have become materially, materially, the poorer we have become morally and spiritually. We've learned to fly the air like birds and swim the sea like fish, but we have not learned the simple art of living together as brothers and when i read through that i'm struck by how true it is when i think about how quick and easy it is um to think of okay what is the inconvenience in my life that technology exists to fix I think I've mentioned this before, but I found myself, I think it's been a little over a year now that we got a smart lock on our um, entry door. You know, So when I park, I walk in, my phone senses that I'm within, I don't know what it is, 20 feet, 30 feet of my door. And by Bluetooth and a little bit of magic from my perspective, my back door, it just automatically unlocks and I walk in. I was walking in doing that same, you know, walk in, and then I got to take my keys out of my pocket when I have other stuff in my hands that's annoying, unlocked, da da da. And I found myself like, come on, it's 20, who knows, 2018, 2019, somewhere in there, and I'm still having to do this. There's got to be a better way. And I think we've all found ourselves, you know, <laughs> hopefully or maybe you're not as um, convenience oriented as me. So maybe it's not that ridiculous of a thing that you were like, come on, this is annoying. I'm not putting up with this. Uh, but we all know that feeling. And thankfully, in a lot of ways, right, technology and um invention and development exists to fill that gap and to say, you're right. You never should have to worry about taking your keys out of your pocket. Come on, what what are we living in the past? Technology comes in and fills that gap and kind of creates the world that, you know, is a little closer to the one where we don't have to do (laughs) anything uncomfortable or inconvenient. And um, when it comes to the words here that Dr. King used, um, morally and spiritually, how we're doing, what we find is what a lot of life has trained us for is this really convenient, really easy, really quick fix system. And... You know, I think about all the times where I'm looking at something that I'm like, oh man, around the house, this needs to be fixed. Oh man, I wonder if there's, you know, a thing that can do this. I wonder if this exists and you check it out, type in what you're looking for on Amazon and oh, they have it. And you can order it and boom, it's delivered to your house within a day or two. If you live in a city, I think a big city, I think you can get it within an hour sometimes, depending where you live. And I think about what this does as convenient and as amazing as it is. I wonder if that is part of what contributes to this. um, We become richer, the line that Dr. King used, the richer we become, we've become materially, the poorer we have become morally and spiritually. And I kind of wonder if part of that is because we aren't really used to working for and toward the things that we value, because you know, if I order something, I do most of my stuff on eBay because, you know, I like to collect sports cards. And if I don't get a tracking number, you know, at least by the next day, then I'm like, man, what's taking this guy so long? Why are they not mailing me my stuff? And I think in, in some ways, at least, that kind of poisons the well when it comes to long-term growth type of stuff because we're used to, you know, and I, I don't know, this almost is an overused idea, but we really are. I think part of why it's a cliche is because it is true. We're an instant gratification group of people, society, civilization, because things are so easy. Things are so convenient. And this is not to minimize um, problems and difficulties and issues that we're all facing. But I think because we're so used to quick and easy fixes, it can make moral growth, it can make spiritual growth, which those things are not quick and easy. Snap your fingers and, oh, now I think this brand new thing or now I do this brand new thing because it's better and it's on my growth journey. That's really not how we grow morally and spiritually. And Dr. King goes on and I've, I copied and pasted this into my document. So I think, I don't think this was right next, the thing that he said right after what I just read. I think it was a little later in the speech. But talking about the same idea, he said, this is the serious predicament, the deep and haunting problem confronting modern man. If we are to survive today, our moral and spiritual lag must be eliminated. Enlarged material powers spell enlarged peril. If there's not proportionate growth of the soul. When the without of man's nature subjugates the within, dark storm clouds begin to form in the world. And when I read that paragraph, I was reminded, and it took me a little digging to find this, um, but there's a line that I've read from Irwin McManus, And he says, we have to run as fast as our character is deepening and not as fast as our talent is increasing. I'm going to read that again. We have to run as fast as our character is deepening and not as fast as our talent is increasing. Now, when I read that, I'm guessing that there's some resistance, right, <laughs> to that idea because it really is anti what a lot of us have always thought about. You know, hey, I get promoted when I can do the job. I don't get promoted based on my uh, morals and my ethics and my growth as an individual person. I get promoted based on my ability to do the next level of my job or my ability to handle the problems that are coming my way or my ability and I think that it can be really easy for us um, to measure success as Dr. King talked about materially um, based on finances based on uh, inventions or advancements or, you know, the way that I'm talking about it, conveniences, making life as smooth and seamless and easy as possible. Um, Or as Erwin McManus talks about, um, kind of getting to this point where, um, you know, our talent is what rules the day. And as soon as we have the ability, then we're ready to move on to the next thing. And what I'm reminded of from this uh, Nobel Peace Prize acceptance speech from Dr. King is that it's tempting for all of us to live into this um, consumer or convenience, or instant gratification culture, and to think all that stuff applies directly over to um, our interior journey. And the thing that is so tricky, the thing that is so um, damaging, I think, to a lot of us and to a lot of our society is that what helps us get ahead materially, what helps us get ahead ability-wise, what helps us get ahead um, with competency and those kind of things is not the same thing that brings us emotional, spiritual, and moral growth. Those things come through uh, surrender through not hiding the negative or um, maybe you've heard it talked about as like the shadow side of ourselves, but confronting that stuff, surrendering that stuff, turning that stuff over to God. And what um, I'm reminded of as I think about The words that Dr. King shared is just how much we have gotten the emphasis out of whack, out of balance, when we measure things based on, when we call success um, only material or financial or capability growth. And the internal part of us or others um, can be kind of overlooked. And you just say, well, you know, as long as you can do the job, as long as you can make a bunch of money, as long as you can run a company well, uh, you know, you don't really have to worry about that other part, that interior part, that moral and spiritual and emotional growth and depth. And health, and you know, I, I, I'm. This is kind of a topic that I like to talk about because I think it's something that um, our American culture is especially vulnerable to. Um, to measure life on the measuring stick of uh, success defined by achievement defined by um accumulation defined by you know what we can put in the bank or what place we live in or what car we drive or those kind of things and um i love the reminder from dr king from 50 i'm bad at doing math on the fly like that 50 60 years ago somewhere in there that uh, when we get this out of whack, when we start to think the only way to measure success is these things, is ability or uh, financial material success, what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up for failure. What we're doing is uh, we're measuring, we're winning the wrong race, right? Right? And so I want to encourage all of us to take a look at ourselves and say, where have I been um, calling success only achieving, only acquiring, only um, these things that are temporary, these things that I've tried it before. It's not a fix-all. It's not going to bring me the fulfillment that I hoped it was going to bring me? uh, And how do I get to a point of saying, no, success uh, is defined by my growth in my relationship with God, by the depth that I allow him to work on me and to expose some of that shadow stuff in me And I want to remind you again, God doesn't seek to do that because he's so excited to point it out and say, gotcha, and punish us. Um, But it's because he wants to invite us, as Jesus said, into life to the full, life to the fullest. Life as it was meant to be lived. And... I want to encourage all of us to take a look at where we're uh, defining success in the wrong way and where we're quote-unquote succeeding at the wrong stuff. And if there are some things we need to reevaluate where we say, hey, I've been measuring myself on the wrong measuring stick. Um, I've been chasing the wrong things, and it's not working out. But I keep thinking maybe the next level of achievement or the next big thing I can buy or the next amount of money that I can deposit in my bank account, it's not going to do it. It's not going to fix it. It's not going to be the answer. Um, Let's measure ourselves by the right measuring stick, by where we're at in our relationship with God and what it looks like for us to continue surrendering to him, to continue being obedient, to continue letting go. And you get why so often those ideas, surrendering, being obedient, and letting go, are in direct opposition to, I don't know about all the ways, but maybe all the ways That much of our culture defines success. Um, So let's redefine it, at least for ourselves, and say, no, success for me means being faithful, being obedient, surrendering, letting go, and trusting in God.